You know, our children are an excellent extension of how we can learn and grow because they have the beautiful ability, even tantrums and all, but they have the ability to be in their emotions. Yeah. We don't, they don't stifle them. Do that as adults. Our classics are avoidant, quickly change it, try to fix it. And then the big one is we judge it and then we judge it negatively with those shoulds. I shouldn't feel that way. I should get over this. And yeah. it's one of the biggest lessons that we can give ourselves permission to feel and, and connect. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Stronger, Healthier, Happier podcast. We are excited to have you with us and thrilled to have the opportunity to improve together. We believe that by paying close attention to our mindset, movement, sleep, stress, nutrition, and network, we can create the life we were intended to live. Here is to a stronger, healthier, happier you. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Stronger, Healthier, Happier podcast. This is episode 45, and we've got a special guest here with us today. Um, Hello, Amy. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) We are here with Amy Rabe. We're in her office, um, and it smells lovely in here, Amy. Yeah, what is such oil in this? (laughs) Nothing fancy, just peppermint. Oh, Oh. You could smell it all the way from the front door. Yes, it was calming immediately. (laughs) That's the key. Yes. Um, So yeah, we are here with Amy today. Super excited to have her on the podcast. This was something that I've been wanting to do for a while. And um, let's just start, Amy, by telling um, all of our listeners kind of how you got into counseling and what you do here. Yes. Well, thank you. And welcome to my office. I was super excited for you guys to be here. I feel more zen already. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the whole point. (laughs) Um, So for those who don't know, my name is Amy Rabe and I'm a psychiatric nurse. So I have been psych nursing for over eight years. Um, I was with Prairie Mountain in like various roles, like in geriatric, in the community, um, at like Westman Crisis Services in both their programs, answering the crisis calls, going to do assessments, and then in the unit working working there, which is nurse-led, the crisis stabilization unit, and then uh, most recently at Adult Community Mental Health. Meanwhile, last year in about February 2021, I started to dive into perinatal mental health from my own personal experiences with my son. I struggled with a very difficult birth that was traumatic and I didn't really know those lasting impacts that it would have. And then fast forward, my children are very close in age, like under two years. So I didn't really realize how um, impactful that would be in my daughter's labor, physically A+. plus. <laughs> Mentally, I give myself like an F. <laughs> it was just I didn't realize how pulled back I would be into my son's labor. So I use the midwife supports, which is for me, I have nothing but kind and wonderful things to say about midwifery. And then in February 2021, I started to go into like perinatal discover learn more and it was through the postpartum support international group (laughs) 
that I became perinatal mental health certified. Okay. So I did that from February 2021 till May. And then in August, so just about coming up on a year, which is already crazy, I passed my exam. And then in October 2021, I resigned from the hospital to pursue um, full-time private practice. I guess I should back up. Um, I work for Rosier Blakey Counseling Services, and I began that in part-time April 2021. Right, so you're kind of doing both. Yeah, I was doing both um, adult community mental health and private counseling for six months, and then just was like, you know what? You have that classic saying, you have nothing to fear but fear itself. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. And uh, it's interesting because I'm always the one who's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this. And I was like, I don't know if I could do this. Can I, can I be like a counselor? Can I do this? And my husband's like, what do you have to lose? You can always go back and have a job in the hospital. Like no matter where you're going, like do what's going to make you happy. Yeah. Do what you're passionate about. Love us. And that became perinatal mental health. And so my goal is if I help one woman, like, that means the world to me and that I just get to be myself in helping guide other women and families through conception, pregnancy, postpartum, um, grief. You know, that's always so hard. Pregnancy loss, infant loss, neonatal loss, SIDS, adoption, infertility. I just really want to encompass it all so that women know that they have like a safe and, and partners too. Um, a safe, welcoming place to come share anything and everything. Yeah, Just really cool. Yeah, um, I always yeah I always enjoy too when when the passion is born through like experience. Was that the case with you? Do you feel like going through it yourself, um, like guided you to where you are now? Because I guess when you've been through it, now you almost like the last podcast we 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 talked about with. Jared, he told that cool story. Um, it wasn't a real story. It was a, mm-hmm. what would you call that? Um, a fable? Yes. That's a good word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but basically, when you've been down in the hole yourself, then you know how to help people out of that hole. Um, so it's, yeah, it's cool that you kind of, um, you didn't just go into it. Yeah, it felt like a good area to go into. You've, you've been yeah. through it yourself. Yeah, I guess to that give like help, yeah. a little bit of content, um, I I will condense it, but with my son, it really started at like 36 weeks pregnant and then all the way through labor. I had Bell's palsy, so that's temporary paralysis um, of your face. So I had temporary paralysis of the left side of my face. And in pregnancy, I guess it's common. Who knew until it happens to you? It's like one in three women. Oh my goodness. I know. And then when I was at the hospital, it was really interesting because I hadn't, I didn't know. I was like convincing myself nothing neurologically happened. Like I was orientating myself, you know, person, place, and time, Amy, <laughs> you know where you are. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's just Bell's palsy. And I was like, what the is, yeah. is Bell's palsy? I don't know. And then I had high blood pressure and they wanted to induce me. And then it kind of felt like I was torn between like what the midwives were suggesting and then the OB. And then I was like, I knew, I know that I can advocate for myself, but not every family feels like they can. And I was like, no, I came here for medication. I want the least invasive approach first. 
because she wanted to induce me at 37 weeks. And it's like, you're telling me I'm not favorable. Um, Baby's healthy. You just did an ultrasound. Like you're saying baby's good. It's me. So let's try medication and then I can come to terms. Yeah. So then I went another week and then at 38 weeks I had to have an induction because the medication wasn't working and it was just a very long labor. I had back labor so it was just contraction, back labor, contraction, back labor or back pain and uh, then you know pushed for two hours Um, and then again a language being a nurse like it just made me it just gave me perspective of language that I may be using in front of families and I always have to like remind myself going into the maternity ward they do a fantastic fantastic job their main goal is keeping you and baby alive physically <laughs> that's how trauma is fo- is happens because they're saying what they need to do to help give you the care that you're needing and baby so like there were you when my son was born i didn't get to hold him for too long like I don't what felt like literally a second and then they're like he's stunned and I was like what does that even mean like he's stunned but we just went through a long labor I had epidural um and then afterwards I ended up hemorrhaging and I went unresponsive twice so that was difficult I have a really you know not great memory but it more impacted my partner my husband um and not too long ago I encouraged him to share his story because I feel like birth trauma affects both partners and so he was really brave and he I did make a post that he shared his her his perspective and I think it's just like a healthy conversation to share our narrative mm-hmm. because there's some things that he was holding on to five years and that brought me to tears yeah. that I had no idea like he said he was holding um, our son he said for 25 minutes, but felt like a lot longer because they shooed him out. They're like, you have to get out of here and like gave gave our son to him. And then he said he was pacing back and forth being like, mom has to be OK. I can't do this. Like, mom's going to be OK. Mom will be OK. And just like that fear that would have it gives me chills when I <laughs> talk yeah. about it. But that fear that was instilled in him in those moments of a new dad, like you know, like this our, isn't what I signed up for. Exactly. Like, yeah. um, so that uh, really impacted us. And I didn't realize how much it would until I was in like pregnant with my daughter and in postpartum with my daughter because I then was experiencing inactive labor. Um, I was dissociating, meaning like I no longer feel like attached to my 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 body, my feelings, my thoughts. But the best way to describe it is I can remember the midwife being like, Amy, this is not your son's labor. But it literally felt like, you know, the Charlie Brown, like, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, I couldn't, couldn't hear it because things were lining up the same way. They're like, the way she's positioned, you're having back labor. Do you want an epidural? And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this for this long. And I couldn't even make a decision if I wanted an epidural or not with, with my daughter just because things were lining lining up and then all I could think about was how I was being pulled back so aggressively to my son's labor and then I have no idea what happened but I just because I could barely move and then I just flipped over went on my hands and knees and she was out in two two minutes wow 
like the primal like yeah, yeah good decision brain and then they're like do you want to shower i was like yeah i think i do want to shower <laughs> yeah. and then they're like are you hungry i was like yeah i think i do want a sandwich in a juice box <laughs> and i had that all and i was like this is this is totally different yeah but in pregnancy and then after like in postpartum i definitely struggled with anxiety like i was really fixated like something bad happened to her for like a good five to six months like during my pregnancy like it was really obsessive and I didn't realize it until learning what I learned and it's really hard I am in mental health I should be aware of what like obsessive thoughts are unwanted or intrusive like I had convinced myself that she had a brain abnormality I remember like because we did one of those private ultrasounds to find out the sex and so we had all the photos, right? So I remember Googling like brain abnormalities in 17 week fetuses. Like it was crazy. <laughs> and uh, then, and with my daughter, I just had this like, when she was here, just this overwhelming sense of fear that I was gonna die. Not necessarily that like they were gonna die. For so I convinced myself and just knew that like I wouldn't see them past a certain age. <laughs> Yeah, I just convinced that's... myself with anxiety, um, so it was hard. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. some heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. I yeah, I I thought Jen was gonna die. If, yeah, if I don't want to. Cry. <laughs> I just want to give you a break from talking because that was a lot of sharing. Um, I thought Jen was gonna die. I, I had that feeling. Um, I don't think I had like, is it PTSD from that? Like, I think I was okay after everything kind of went back to normal but yeah we we never got separated which i think helped yeah. like but i remember sitting there and i was i was holding paxton not long after and i've never seen um are we in sharing time right now <laughs> i think so okay <laughs> i've never seen so much blood yeah. in my entire life and it was pouring out of jen and i could see the fear like in the doctors in the nurses um and i was just sitting there holding paxton mm-hmm. and yeah i mean i just it looked like they thought Jen was going to die and they, I don't know who they called in. They called in. The OB, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, did you, did you go like pass out or become unresponsive? No, I was, I was still, um, responsive. Um, so yeah, everything was, was okay. And, and she kind of came out and then, uh, I guess when they went to go deliver the placenta, um, it didn't come out or it tore or something. And so, yeah, I just basically like all of a sudden I just remember like they kind of took Paxton and gave her to Zach. And I at that point I thought like, oh, you know, like that's normal. Like, of of course, she has to go get checked out. Um, And then I just remember seeing my lovely doctor's face. Um, But like I could just tell that like something was not right. And then I could see her like taking towels and putting them and then like you know you just everyone's voices like panic starts mm-hmm. to set in they're yelling words about medications about and what they to were, take they, i mean they were absolutely amazing mm-hmm. but you could just the the mood in the room had switched yes from could you feel that too oh yes yeah like right away i knew like something was wrong and the thought i thought oh my gosh i forgot like people i forgot people die like in childbirth and it's just you're, you don't even really that had never crossed my mind. You're so focused on baby and baby coming out healthy. Um, like I just never, yeah, never crossed my mind. And then um, one of the, it, I think 
it made it look a lot worse because one of the drugs that they had given me to try to stop the bleeding made my body temperature drop like very quickly. So it looked like I was convulsing, but I was actually just really cold. Like I was kind of shivering, but your legs are up in stirrups and like, so your whole body is kind of um, yep. shaking. Yeah, it was, a lot going on. it was a and lot. Yeah. Our bodies are in shock. Oh, regardless. for sure. Yeah. So luckily the, um, they just said like, okay, let's just try to get it out. And so the OB gracefully yeah. dug around up there and um, ripped it all out. But it was good, I think, for us. Like, I think if I would have had to like get wheeled away into like another room, like we just, he was there the whole time. Like I just kept looking at them in the corner chair and um, yeah, just That's I was like, nope, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. Would you or have you guys ever said how that can be classified as a birth trauma like do i i definitely think it was <laughs> I mean, a birth trauma yeah um i i i've reviewed it before i've re- like gone through it in my head before and thinking how because um, when i hear other people's stories and how it affects them um like i mean i'm grateful or thankful because i'm like okay i'm I'm, I was okay with it. And I'm, I'm not sure my mom, my mom and dad were there mm-hmm. and I just, I share, I don't know. I don't know. You know, this is what I want to get into next with you as well is mm-hmm. what, you know, what are the signs? I mean, there maybe are no signs just what, but I think people are carrying stuff with them and maybe don't share it. But I, absolutely I shared the whole story with my parents and I, I talked mm-hmm. about it with you shortly yeah, after Yeah, we talked too. about it. Like so we f- had a really good so I'm not debrief. sure if that was part of the dealing with it better. Is that I, I, I feel like I shared helped. it with people like I don't even know if it was on purpose or accident, but I just felt like I was carrying this weight mm-hmm. and I had to like, and I, you know, I was like, I was basically in tears, like sharing, like, like, oh, like, cause you know, they, again, my parents came to the hospital to, to see mm-hmm. the baby and I was like, oh yeah, like, okay, so she's good. But I said, oh, like I, I just, this whole thing just happened. So anyway, I, I just, in my experience, I, maybe I got, I was grateful that I had people to share it with, um, well, when you think right of, away, I just felt like I didn't have to, I didn't have to carry that load by myself. Yeah. You know? And when you think about it, like, you know, the, the mom usually gets the debriefing a little bit like at their postpartum checks mm-hmm. or like with, with their midwife, with their doctor. I mean, unless like the partner's coming and throughout COVID that probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have happened either. But like, what is the debriefing for dad? That's like an excellent yeah. question mm-hmm. and yeah. one um, like... In the experiences here, you know, my, my husband didn't and it's, it's dude at him. Yeah. And even five years later, cause he didn't know how to do that or yeah. felt like he didn't want to burden me through yeah, like it reliving it, it, it right? to me either. Yeah. <laughs> I think I said that. I was like, I, I didn't go through that, you. but I, I yeah. saw stuff that <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm not trying to laugh about it, but yeah, I mean, one of my, I do laugh about things when I say it out loud, but. Um, I saw stuff that I've never seen before. I think it's a good, yeah. we're in a good place when we can find humor. Right. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was it, for sure. It was traumatic. Yeah. And I, I think um, that yeah. like for me, if it was like unexplained, like afterwards they said, oh, you know, like they don't really know why. And so for sure, if we were to get pregnant again, I, I a hundred percent would have to like work through like the potential of that happening again. And like, what does that mean? And, um, but 
when they said, you know, something, the, the, the placenta, I mean, I was induced. So I like to think if my body just went into nat- natural labor that it would have disconnected. But for whatever reason, and then just them trying to get it out tore it. So I'm like, okay, it's like I had a cut. You know, I think if they're just, yeah, we don't know. And then you just stop bleeding. And I think everything's okay now. Um, like, I don't know that I would have been able to wrap my head around that. But it's like, oh, it was the placenta. It's an organ it was spurting blood so that's why you were bleeding and like it all made sense to me and mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah. We i heard this really cool thing the other day um it was from tracy morgan the comedian um and i don't even know how i came across it but he was talking uh, on a podcast and it was kind of him about um, him being an alcoholic and he someone had asked him a question i don't know what led into this but the quote was or what he said was um just because we carry it well doesn't mean it's not heavy and i sometimes think that everybody i was like whoa that's like it's like really deep like um so even you know your husband or you amy or you jen or me or whoever else like sometimes just because we like maybe we're not falling apart all the time it doesn't mean what we're carrying um isn't heavy and not like worth talking about and i think that was one of my questions kind of even before we got going um in in the sense of like i don't think we need to wait till we're like Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. rock rock bottom or in the deepest darkest hole um before we start sharing and and sometimes the things we share like again like you know just because we carry it well doesn't mean it's not a heavy weight to carry um and maybe it takes like you said your your husband was three years, five years, like sometimes it takes a while for that weight um, to weigh on us more. Um, but I think that is one of the, th- the, th- the reasons why we want to talk today too is that um, perhaps there's this thought that we go see a counselor or we go seek help once we're like really, really in trouble. Um, and, and maybe there's like work to be done earlier on that doesn't lead us to um, maybe such a dark place where we Mm-hmm. feel so alone and so broken I guess but um yeah anyway I, I don't know if you can yeah relate to that as far as like you know when should people reach out or are there signs or um you know like probably the sooner we reach out the better exactly and just like we do like you know as first time parents what do we do we do prenatal classes and we learn about those physical changes or active labor and the stages of, of labor and what to expect. It is my goal that that could be a service provided by me that people can come and learn about perinatal mental health so that they can prepare themselves. Because if we're doing that prep work, that's only going to set us up better in postpartum. And sometimes we don't know when we're going to have like a traumatic birth or how that's going to impact us or, or what that looks like physical recovery um, and mental health and, and our mental health as well. And it's one of the reasons too why uh, myself, um, Carrie Heimersley and Sherry Reimer got together and created Birth Afterthoughts, a birth trauma support group for, for women. We just started in well, this week, we just started wow, cool. yeah, on Monday awesome. having a um, closed group with eight women for the month of June. So a four week series where we can just have that connection and that communication um, 
and and it really felt empowering when we were all sitting there knowing that all of us had a similar or a shared feeling yeah. mm-hmm. and those feelings can be anger frustration um grief uh robbed you know a lot of women feel robbed after a birth trauma because their birth didn't go how they perceived or how they how they hoped um so that's one of the ways that somebody could support themselves after a birth a birth trauma as far as like mental health related i mean i'm always a fan i'm a counselor so communication when in doubt talk it out exactly a lot of times uh and maybe this sounds biased but as women is kind of like you feel silenced a little bit and that's where miscommunication can happen too like oh that mom she's like she really had a really difficult labor and like you know I shouldn't be thinking that my labor was difficult because it didn't go to my right. birth mm-hmm. plan so I like I it wasn't want. difficult enough yeah like yeah it wasn't and like trauma if we're talking about birth trauma but trauma is in the eyes of the beholder whatever they experienced and has impacted them and then they're you know yeah, that's a good point people will downplay <laughs> what happened to them if, if they think something happened worse to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or won't share it with someone that they knew went yeah. through tougher, um, like circumstances yeah. than them. Yeah. And this can be pr- pretty heavy as well. I feel like, like how I shared, I had anxiety, like a fear of like something bad happening to me and not seeing, seeing my children. One thing that, you know, needs to be normalized in, motherhood is those intrusive thoughts that women struggle with because it's not a topic that people do want to talk about yes. mm-hmm. and those intrusive thoughts can be like i fear that i'm going to stab my child with a knife i know it goes against my belief system however i am having these graphic images like mm-hmm. that's horrific for someone to go through and then feel like if they said something that like they're a bad mom yeah. mm-hmm. like that's that's heavy yeah and yes. Is that like, I mean, in a nutshell, is that what you do? Like you're the person that people can share anything with? Absolutely. I try to cultivate, I try to practice um, in all of my sessions that I see my clients, like that first one, I said, my number one thing is I'm here for you. This is that non-judgmental safe space where anything can be spoken about. I'm like... It's not like I'm the counselor and you're the client, like a hierarchy. It's like we're here sitting together side by side, getting towards your goals, helping you get through this. Um, Like how I said, I did my training through PSI. And so like their motto is just like my go to. It's like you're not alone. You're not to blame. With help, things can get better or you can get better. And that is so true Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because often we feel alone definitely put shame and guilt over ourselves like mm-hmm. you know i shouldn't be feeling sad i shouldn't yeah. have this anxious thought mm-hmm. that's not their job is to f- whether they should or shouldn't it's just it is what it is that this is how i feel um and almost just accepting like whether they think it's yeah i should or shouldn't feel this way mm-hmm. or it's right or wrong just to have somebody to say these things to um so you can start to actually work through it yeah, yeah. The, the dreaded shoulds yeah. yeah and those what ifs we we do them all the time and then it can end up silencing silencing us yeah i think it's it's interesting because with you know like with our daughter um and just in general i think in social media now like there's a lot about 
kids and like accepting their emotions and like it doesn't mean that you can you know you're going to change the situation like you still have to leave for school but you can accept and validate that like they're feeling upset about it um however I find still with adults and like with friends like the automatic response is to um kind of like don't worry it's going to be okay or Mm -hmm. um and like we say that to ourselves yes well we say it to ourselves but even like in with peers like with my girlfriends I feel like I work harder with my three-year-old to like accept her emotions and like you know validate them and not you know a give her my own experience or b tell her everything's going to be okay like not to worry um like it's just interesting that it's like it still takes practice to be able to do that with um just with adults and and just wow like I'm just listening like please Mm -hmm. keep sharing instead of Oh, I remember when, or like, yeah. And I'm just, I'm speaking honestly that I'm not like, I'm still trying to be better in that situation, but it's also, I think it would make it tougher for, um, for women and like men, especially to, to actually share vulnerabilities when, you know, someone's probably going to be like, don't worry, it'll just get better. And you know, I know how you feel. Yeah. 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 And I think, um, you know, our children are an excellent extension of how we can learn and grow because they have the beautiful ability, even tantrums and all, but they have the ability to be in their emotions. Yeah. We don't, they don't stifle them. Do that as adults. Our classics are avoidant, quickly change it, try to fix it. And then the big one is we judge it and then we judge it negatively with those shoulds. I shouldn't feel that way. Mm. I should get over this. And it's one of the biggest lessons that we can give ourselves permission to feel and, and connect because we feel like we're silenced. I feel like that's what it does come down to is like, how do I have that outlet to, to share and to talk and to like get these thoughts, like get out of my head. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm really, I think another reason we we wanted to come chat is just to, to like break down the boundaries of yeah, like a not waiting until you do feel like you're in despair to be like okay now it's time I'm like barely able to function, but just to have another person like we always talk about just building this health team and like this team for you that's gonna mm-hmm. be positive in your life and like allow you to grow and um yeah and like so just adding that that one more person because I think that's the thing is like we we are like we you know work hard at a relationship we have a great relationship we have great communication but like you can see how something like having a baby or you know trying to have a baby for that matter um like it's it's a huge change and like you said something so great before we started just like outlining expectations like what you know if like if let's just say like common scenario like the dad has no idea that you know the mom wants this and this and this and this and this and then it's just like this constant letdown like I just feel like it's a very easy situation to um, build up potentially just negative emotions and like then stop communicating or um, what's the word that we were talking about that's kind of like envy um, um, oh, we, resentment. resentment yes resentment starts and um, it was something that that Jared actually talked about last week on our, our podcast he kind of said that you know his priorities um, you know, for him, it was being a Christian and then being a husband and then being a dad and then being a priest. So it kind of went like with this, you know, bigger picture of life and then my marriage, then my children. And I, I, 
and then his job. And so we were kind of chatting about how powerful that was that once you bring a baby into the world by whatever means, it's like it can overtake everything else. Um, and there's still other relationships that you need to nurture, like your mm-hmm. spouse or partner. Um, yourself. Yourself. Yes, that's a big one. Yeah. And not just focus all attention and everything because it's like eventually those things are going to creep up whether it's in six months or a year or five years or 10 years, like they don't really go away. And, and that's an excellent point. Like, um, the statistics have changed over like the, over the pandemic before it was one and seven women can experience postpartum depression. And then throughout that year, one in five, now they're saying like it's one in five women can experience a postpartum depression, um, because if you do look at the last two years, so much isolation, so much like, you know, the partner wasn't able to go to the hospital, having to feel like you're going through that alone. And like when we're in lockdown, like how do I yeah. make Get connection? Like connection is what we need as humans <laughs> Yeah, to feel, to yeah. feel good yeah. and it helps us. Uh, that's it that is a crazy stat though and even if we just like dive into like you know people have heard the words postpartum depression but like what can that actually look like for like a mom in Brandon Um, I know when we did our uh, prenatal class one of the the woman that ran it she just said you know if if you feel like you can't get back to like your life before kid, like, you know, you're, you're not doing things that you would normally do. Like that could be a sign that like something isn't going well. And I thought that was, that was so powerful because I was, um, it wasn't like having, wasn't just laying in bed all day for mm -hmm. 18 hours. It was simple things like, you're afraid you to go to the grocery the store. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So yeah, what what does it look like? Yeah. So first or let's let's like? break it down into baby blues versus depression. Just because baby blues are very, very common. Like up to ninety percent of women can um, have baby blues with the onset and then within the first like two, three weeks of postpartum. And that's where you do see because our our emotions and our hormones just rapidly change like if you're looking at the, our, our oxytocin and our prolactin our prolactin is ex- like responsible for lactation and so for women women who are choosing to breastfeed like that's trying to get going know, get yeah going. Um, it's a whole nother side topic <laughs> <laughs> and so that's where you do see like those episodes of crying um sleep deprivation related to a newborn um the main thing is that like your self-esteem your self-worth your happiness your ability to feel joy is is there but there's you know the disruption in sleep disruption in our appetite moody irritable angry and then with the depression anything kind of really beyond that three and four weeks on and then within that year is we're looking at a postpartum depression and it's like you feel hopeless you feel helpless um, lacking motivation um, that ability to feel joy um, yeah not wanting to get out of bed or sleeping longer and never feeling rested uh, fear of going going out and then of course like suicidal ideation and um, thoughts of self-harm you know that ability also not to 
laugh or see humor anymore and like not taking care of yourself so that's kind of like what the differences are and like that classic one or takeaway that I would say for listeners is look at do I still have that ability to feel joy and like is my like self-value and and self-esteem intact or am I feeling helpless worthless hopeless those are signs to look out for um and then at that point i mean that's where somebody should definitely reach out most definitely because we don't want it to be a crisis where um you know you are contemplating suicide or uh contemplating hurting yourself and i mean the sooner Mm -hmm. again like when in doubt they should reach out Mm -hmm. and the sooner they do before it get like it, it it can it would get I'm under the assumption it would it could get worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. So something minor at four or five weeks, like uh, lacking motivation or like oh I lacking self esteem, um, can turn into something worse as time goes on. If you feel more and more hopeless, yeah, is that fair to say. Yeah, and what I had brought with me today and what we were kind of chatting about um, before is PSI has an excellent it's free resource for any parent to want to go you just go to their web um, google postpartum support international and they have a perinatal mental health screening tool oh perfect and it's like have i been experiencing the following symptoms like of course feeling depressed but other ones can be like uh, brain fog feeling anxious or panicky dizzy um, you know excessive worry um and like trouble concentrating the lack of interest with baby too you can see um having that difficulty within the first few weeks or you're feeling like we can bond with baby Mm -hmm. um so those are that's why i like this discussion tool and then it breaks it down into some risk factors because some of those risk factors that could make you pre um, a higher prevalency of having postpartum is such as like experiencing a birth trauma, a family history, having depression or anxiety prior. Um, NICU stays are really big too. Um, mm-hmm. That can lead to increased anxiety or depression. So let's say like if somebody has like, and again, to, to you know, even like, like, again, you correct me when I'm, when I'm off here, but let's just say somebody has some birth trauma, but also they don't even let's just say like even in my situation where I mean I don't even know maybe I didn't even know the word birth trauma when it happened Um, is it a good step for people just to like even when they're just unsure and they've had a really tough birth or you know anything that falls under that category of birth trauma and maybe they're not even experiencing symptoms yet would it still be a good idea to just like hey, this happened to me. I would like to chat about it just to make sure I'm okay with it. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Or, no. do we, or do we wait pe- for people to, let's just say they're not at the point where they they need to go to that screening thing yet. But um, I, think I mean, the- any sort of birth that doesn't go according to plan could be something to reach out about. I think that um, it always comes down to those like conversations and open communication because say if it's like, oh, I wanted to reach out to Jen and Jen's like, oh, I wish Amy would say something. There's that miscommunication and mm-hmm. that why like and then we're both kind of silencing ourselves. But if we're like that, just validating them being like that would be really hard 
if and when you do want to talk about it like you know I I'm I'm here to to listen and I think it comes down to feeling heard yeah and having somebody to listen to and validation of what that person went to yeah and that can be pretty simple for any friend or family Mm -hmm. member to to provide to that person to the mom I just yeah I I just in my Mm -hmm. head I think it's important for people to not self-evaluate of like oh that wasn't that traumatic so I'm probably good like like you said oh I shouldn't feel that way like I think sometimes just not downplaying what you went through is is obviously important Um, what's your recommendation for people who because this is like I'm really enjoying this talk and for people to go to that website and reach out are there, are there lots of situations where people are, they be like just maybe heavy denial where they're going through all of this and maybe like friends or family members can like, they're picking up on it rather easily. Like, whoa, like this is not, um, you know, there's some red flags here. This is not normal. Um, or this is not the normal for that woman for that or, person, yeah. you know, father or wife. Um, Let's reframe that to healthy. Yes. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not use the word normal, but healthy. Well, I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Normal is not a good word. No, not like that. Um, but yeah. Or not their typical behavior. Yes. Like, so they're, is that what you're trying to say? Like their friends and well, like, family are like, just feeling hey Jen, like you don't seem like yourself, but like if you're, suffering from depression or anxiety or you're you know you're like maybe you're just like i'm fine like leave me alone (laughs) i think everybody's scared to have conversations like that because then it's like it's my responsibility because i'm talking to this person and what am i going to say or how am i going to do it like Mm -hmm. and if you are noticing we'll say those flags in what um a mom or dad is experiencing make it about them because a lot of times the conversation is like how's baby doing what's baby like how are the like all Mm -hmm. of the questions about baby but just how are you and how are you do like what are you feeling Mm -hmm. and see what the conversation opens up to and how much where their willingness is to share thanks again for joining us for another episode we want to give a quick shout out to the artist Quixotic for letting us use this awesome music. Our goal with this podcast is to help as many people as possible. So if you're enjoying it, then don't forget to leave us a rating, a review, and share it with your friends. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time, stay strong, stay healthy, and stay happy.